This is the King Chasing Podcast, where we keep Christ at the center of athletics. Here's your host, Brandon Gilmore. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm Brandon, and this is the King Chasing Podcast. As always, thanks for joining us, and please make sure to visit our website at thenccaa.org for more King Chasing content. Today's guest is Judy Fox, the founder and president of Ignite International. Judy has been inducted into four halls of fame, including Houghton University's Hall of Honor and the NCCAA's Hall of Fame. Her global impact is notable in the USA, Nicaragua, Cuba, Liberia, the Holy Land, Jamaica, and Russia, to name a few. Judy has trained leaders of national teams, international sports federations, Olympic committees, and youth development and community influencers in more than a dozen nations to utilize the universal language of sport to empower tomorrow's leaders. Thanks for listening today, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Judy. Well, hey, Judy, welcome to King Chasing. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic. It's always awesome to see you guys love being a part and it just honored to be with you today, Brandon. Well, we're happy to have you on with us. Uh, now, I know you just recently returned from a mission trip uh, to Jamaica. How was that trip? Oh man, it was, it was awesome. I mean, people think Jamaica, especially Montego Bay, and they think all the, the luxury, the indulgence, the, you know, just all those things. And we spend a little time on the beach, of course, we'd be stupid not to, but um, we spend our time, as is characteristic, as, as we'll talk through, but we spend our time in the places that people aren't really likely to go, and um, it's a it's a heavy space um, in, in that area. They deal with a lot of uh, violence and criminal and gang and addiction and abuses and uh, things unspeakable, all within eyesight. You know, we're, we spent most of our week right across the highway from the airport, and so every afternoon... We're watching planes take off. And all I kept thinking was, you know, these these tourists just probably had the time of their life and a, a wonderful, hopefully relaxing, just beautiful time. And they have no idea that right beneath them are, are kids and uh, young females and youth, um, young adults and adults who have known nothing but trauma their entire lives. And so mm. um, we had the Taylor University volleyball team with us. Um, I'll touch on the significance of them and and uh, just just an honor to start this year uh, with them uh, once again uh, serving with us, and it was just a just a, a really powerfully impactful time. Hmm. Now you've given your life to serving Christ through athletics. Uh, that passion began after serving on a mission trip to Mexico to to Mexico uh, just after graduation from college. Hmm. What do you remember from that trip that helped launch you into a lifetime of sports ministry? So I've always been drawn, even as a kid, um, it's funny how God puts in you from an early age, kind of the things that he then uses you to accomplish. I think that that's, I've seen that pattern over and over in my life. Um, one of the things that, that has always been a, a draw to me is those athletes that use their platform as, as an opportunity to share their faith. Um, I remember Mike Schmidt was always my childhood hero. 
Um, in fact, my fun fact about Judy Fox, my very first dream in life was to play first base for the Philadelphia Phillies opposite Mike Schmidt. Uh, that didn't <laughs> happen. So here we are. Um, but I remember at his uh, Jersey retirement, my dad took me to it the night they retired his Jersey in Philly. And he talked about faith, family, and friendships. And, and it's like, I've always been drawn to that. And so that very first opportunity that I had to, you know, like you said, right after college graduation to go on a mission trip to Mexico, it was kind of that combination of everything. Like I remember being down there just going, this is everything that I love. Intense competition, um, huge crowds at our games. They actually thought we were the national team, which was hilarious. Um, it was different culture, <laughs> different foods, different people, different language. Um, and there was just like a, an energy and a conviction toward, um, you know, not just being there, not just enjoying the moment, but, but, but really realizing that people go through hard stuff in this world that we know nothing about. And those needs are, are, are very evident when you go into a place that's different. And I, and I, I remember just being there going, man, someday I could have an organization like this. And, you know, God just really started shaping a dream at that point. I've always said that it was kind of like a passing idea that never came out the other side, you know? And, and so God just kind of brought this idea, um, planted a seed of vision inside me and it never left. And it, it just burns every day. Now, after graduating from Houghton College, uh, which is now Houghton University, yeah. uh, you went on to coach at various collegiate levels, including NCCAA, NAI, uh, and even NCAA Division I. Uh, what are some ways that you tried to make an impact for Christ uh, as a coach? You know, I've always said, and even in whether it was club sports, collegiate sports, um, even at the highest levels, I've always said, and my experience is primarily volleyball. Anybody could could relate this to whatever is their particular niche or field of expertise. But I've always said, if it was just about hitting a ball back and forth over a net, teaching kids how to how to swing an arm or whatever, um, if it's only about physical skills and tactics, that's fun. But there's not really a lasting value in that. But if we as coaches or people in leadership can figure out how to use that thing that we've been given. And it's a tool to do something so much more, so much greater in the life of the next generation, then we've got a really unique opportunity to make an impact that nothing else can make. And, um, and so I've always tried to, to stay very cognizant, uh, very mindful that, you know, as a coach, I'm going to get that kid maybe, two hours a day, maybe five or six days a week, longer on game days, obviously, um, maybe four or five, six months out of the year, depending what kind of season it is, and for a maximum of four years of their life. And yet, research has shown over the years that the number one personal influence, I think social media, unfortunately, probably competes with this now, but the, pers the, the personal influence in the life of a young person is their coach and um, coaches have a voice of influence that they can say the exact same things that mom and dad say, but that kid just embraces it. And so um, that that's just been a, a mindset that I've always, you know, tried to approach 
my coaching with, and now just having the opportunity to work with so many teams and so many programs, they all become mine. And, um, and, and, and so I try to approach it the same. It's the physical experience is just a tool to lead to a much greater, hopefully eternal impact on those lives. In 2003, you founded Ignite International, whose goal is to ignite generational cycles of hope, one life at a time, through the universal language of sport. Uh, can you share more about Ignite International? Sure. I, um, like I said, after your, your first question, the, you know, that idea was planted in me. Um, maybe I could have an organization like the one I had traveled with, similar but different. Everyone has their, their uniqueness. <laughs> and um, it was 2002. I was here in Dallas. Uh, my assistant and I at the time had been talking about starting a volleyball club. And I just didn't really know what the name of it was, but this this vision had been just stirring in me. I knew that one day I'd be, you know, using that universal language of sport as a tool for greater impact than just in a in in one particular institution setting. And she called me one day, and she's and, and I was actually sound asleep. It was a, it was July fourth afternoon, and I was sound asleep taking one of those afternoon naps. You know, they're like the best ones where you're just <laughs> out. I mean, you might as well be a bear in the middle of winter at that point. Yeah. Right? You're just down yeah. for the count. So she calls me out of deep, deep sleep and says, hey, I got a great idea. What about the name Ignite for our volleyball club? And me and my waking up stupor says, yeah, we can talk about that. And she thought I hated it. And, <laughs> and what she didn't know till I told her afterward was when, when I heard that word, it's like everything came together in that word <clears throat> because it means to start a fire or to start something. And all of a sudden, I mean, I got up, I started pacing around the, the living room and all of a sudden they came together, Ignite International athletes set on fire to impact the world. And, and we had a, you know, and I could see um, just everything I had envisioned, even our, our core verse that the Lord had given me years before is Jeremiah 20 verse nine. If I say, I won't speak of him, or if I say, I won't mention him or speak anymore in his name, his word is in me like a fire. And, and I, even if I try to hold it in, I can't, it's just who I am. And um, it, it's like all this vision just came together in this word. And, and so Ignite International, we have since then focused very heavily on providing opportunities for teams, collegiate teams, club teams, um, et cetera, to, to do mission trips. Um, I would not call us necessarily a sending agency from the perspective that we go, I go and invest a lot of time creating, establishing, and growing relationships, and then invite people to come with us and, and, and lead them through that experience that is so unique. So there's a, a depth of relationship already established before they ever step in a country. Every team we take somewhere has been welcomed like family where they've, where they've come with us to serve because, <laughs> because those relationships are invested in um, in the day and night hours that nobody else can see. And so in the past, we have focused very heavily on a, a mission trip type model um, as we have 
grown over the years and, and the Lord just transitions things and, and a political landscape and a global landscape and those things begin to evolve. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but uh, there's shifts. Um, that's opened up other opportunities for workshops and curriculum and, and, uh, and just a more internal focus in the places, uh, places and spaces that we've had an opportunity to reach. So the future's mm. future is going to be pretty interesting that way too, in addition yeah. to what we've already done. Yeah. Uh, now ignite international has had enormous, uh, global impact and you just kind of touched, I believe on this a little bit, but, um, you've since launched ignite you one, uh, which is here domestically in the States. Uh, what's the story behind that? Yeah, it's the most, um, oh gosh, it's just probably the most unique and powerful experience I've ever been called upon um, or had a part in. Um, I had, you know, as I was mentioning, there's there's shifts and, and just you see the world kind of changing around you and you can't spend time in the spaces that we do. I've never wanted the easy ministry. I've never wanted to just go into the places that I can come home with a lot of statistics and things like that. And in fact, I've often said, I want to go to the places no one else is willing to go. I want to go to the places that, you know, we might not really know till heaven. We all say it and it sounds good, but how many of us are really willing to go pour into someone's life when we might not see the fruit till, till we're actually in eternity? Um, I'm okay with that. I don't need to come back with numbers and all that. I need to know that that some really do plant, some really do water, and it's he who gives the increase, and it's not my business how he chooses to do that. We are here to ignite. And so having said that, I've, I had this kind of growing, um, burning that there was, there was something different. There was something more. There was something unique that we're supposed to do starting here, but not just domestically. There's something that we're supposed to do that's not been tapped into, or there was, there was just, some, I don't know that, you know, that nebulous, um, I know there's something, I don't, just don't know what the it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I've been just praying in that regard since probably, I don't know, at least 10, you know, maybe the last seven, eight years prior to this experience. So in 2018, I think it was April 6th, it was early April of 2018, that first weekend, I'm, I'm a junkie for um, solving crimes and mystery. And, you know, I grew up reading um, the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew and Agatha Christie and <laughs> all that stuff. I mean, if, yeah. if if reincarnation was a thing, which I know it's not, but if it was, I'd come back as CIA in a heartbeat and just <laughs> solve everything. I'd either be that or my next door neighbor's dog. Anybody has heard me because he's got a pretty good life. So kudos right. to, to next door. Um, but I've always, I've always had a leaning toward just solving those things that are, that are hard to solve. And so Dateline NBC is, is always been one of my go-tos. Um, I've always realized these are real people that, that experience real challenges, very painful stuff. And there's always that twist, you know, Dateline is kind of the granddaddy of them all. And, just masterful on how they present um, and I think very tactfully present real life uh, challenges that people experience and injustices. So I sat down to watch Dateline that night and the storyline just briefly was, it, it captured me. It was a, 
it, it was obviously a family had experienced extraordinary loss. And so I have tremendous compassion for their loss, but I was especially drawn to um, the, the one gal who was really the feature of this episode who had been wrongfully charged with the murder that took place. Um, her husband at the time had murdered his first wife and framed her for it. And mm -hmm. she ended up spending almost a year and a half incarcerated, never went to trial, uh, but incarcerated on a charge she had nothing to do with. And long story short is that um, the district attorney, uh, all of them, the, all the law enforcement, they were determined to put her away. And as they sought out evidence to prove the, the, the decision they had already come to, and certainly the court of public opinion had already reached a conclusion about her that, that turned out to be wrong. Um, but as they sought out evidence to put her away, that evidence actually proved that she had been telling the truth all along and was never there and had nothing to do with it. Wow. And to his credit, he released her. Um, he has become a, a strong advocate for her. She has since, uh, you know, had opportunities to team lecture with him at, at colleges and things like that. And in, uh, for those who are in the field of uh, criminal justice or um, legal studies. I don't want to misspeak uh, on that, but but it, what a what an amazing turnaround when a district attorney who held your life in his hands um, mm. had charged her with capital murder is now one of her greatest advocates um, and very vocal about her integrity and her um, just who she is as a person, and so. That was the first hour of the story was just kind of the case. Then the second hour, we actually got to meet her and she shared her, her journey through life. And it was just one, one traumatic experience after the next. I mean, how an individual is still standing after that is um, I, th th there's a strength there and a, a beautiful grace, um, just very bold courage and a gracious strength that, that I think those of us who've not experienced those things know nothing of. Um, she finished, she concluded the, the program with her final statement saying that she wanted to go to law school and, and fight for those who find themselves in a similar position. Um, and, you know, Brandon, I sat there and watched that episode and literally, I was sitting there going, my goodness, I've sat in the presence of ambassadors and vice presidents and Olympians and national team athletes in multiple countries, but I've never heard a voice inspiring me like this one. And I don't know what it was. I've seen a million episodes of Dateline NBC, but I couldn't let that go. And I just started praying for this young lady. I didn't know her. She's from Amarillo, Texas, five hours from me never heard of the case. I never heard her name, never knew anything about him, but I, um, it was about a week later. I, uh, just felt like, like the Lord told me, you know, find her and send her a message. And I was like, well, that's about the creepiest thing ever. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I did and, uh, never expected to receive a reply from her. Um, but she wrote me back about two and a half hours later and I can tell you since that time, she's become a little sister. She's uh, among the most precious human beings in my life. And it was in 2019 that she called me and she said, I, you know, I got to start sharing this. Um, people are going to want to get me on a stage, but I don't want to, I, I don't want to share with the suits. I want to share with the ones. I want the ones who, who are going through the things I've been through, um, 
to be and she, to, to be where I share my story. And she said, all I knew is I needed to call you because I don't know how to do this, but you do. And, um, and I said, what if we could do it together? Because I'd had that thing burning in me that there's something unique that we're supposed to do that reaches into places that others just won't go. And that's how Ignite U1 was born. It stands for Ignite U First. And, and our, our core conviction is that you can't undo the past. You can't change the things that have happened to you. You can't, you know, you can't change the, the behaviors, the responses, that, you know, the actions that you have taken as a result of things that have happened to you. But you can be the one that changes things for your family and their kids and their kids and their kids. It starts when you ignite you first. And um, so we've been building a, a team of uh, extreme overcomers who have been through enormous adversities, but now are finding that their victory also comes when that thing that could have destroyed them becomes a weapon that they can use to destroy trauma in others. So to break those intergenerational cycles of trauma and ignite generational cycles of hope um, across the U.S. because we know our kids need it. Um, but even, I'll just say this, even in Jamaica, um, I was talk, sharing with some of the leaders about that and they were like, can we start a team down here for Ignite U1 specifically? And I was mm -hmm. like, so we're, we actually just talked about it last night um, wow. about, about doing that. So that that's a message that needs to go across the world. But um, Ignite U1 is, is a, it's an initiative of Ignite International and uh, both can find healing, you know, when you can connect overcomers with those who are in the process, striving to overcome, both of them find victory. And, yeah. um, you know, we've just, the, the sentence that the Lord gave me was when you get to see someone else find hope because you're willing to share the things that you've been through, even if you're still in it, because we always think everyone needs to be through it um, before they can do something with it, even while you're still in it you will find in that moment that though you may have walked through the darkest of hell in the end, you won. Wow. That's such a cool story and inspiring story of how uh, you won was launched. Um, it's a part of Ignite International, as you said, which is in its 20th year. That's right. um, what are you most proud of, um, of these past 20 years? And then what's your vision for the next 20? Oh gosh, what am I most proud of? I think what I'm most, if I had to put my finger on the things that I would be most proud of, it's the, the names of young people, collegiate athletes who have come through a mission trip with us, a seven day experience, a 12 day experience, um, and are now in positions where they are out serving um, and they come back and they say, this started because I did that trip with you. Um, coaches who are now coaching um, and, and whether it's that they did a trip with us or what, whether it's that they heard me speak, you know, at a, at a banquet at, um, you know, at NCCAA and uh, at nationals or something like that. I mean, just the fact that, that God can use, um, take, take a kid out of the Pocono mountains of Northeastern Pennsylvania, just create a, a being that is just willing to say yes to him. That's the only thing I've done is wake up every morning and say, yes, 
whatever, whatever you want to do today, God, the answer is yes. Um, but the fact that now there are, you know, kids who've, who've served in all different capacities with all kinds of different organizations, it's not, what I'm proud of is not that they necessarily come back and serve with us. They're serving with someone and they're making a difference. They're taking college coaching jobs. Um, they're, you know, when those people have been ignited with hope, and now they are igniting hope for others. And, and that accomplishes the mission to ignite generational cycles of hope. We talk about generational curses all the time, but what about generational hope? Because if people live hopeless, they're going to live life by trial and error. And they don't know how to do something different. If they have hope, however, gosh, God just created the, the human spirit to, to have the capacity to accomplish amazing things if we have the hope to, to persevere, if we keep our feet grounded on the good days and persevere on the tough days. And so I think just um, see, seeing the number of names, every time I see a name of someone that's that's come through an experience with us and, and now they're out doing amazing stuff, living their dreams and, and fulfilling or helping others, empowering others, developing others to fulfill theirs, um, I don't know that I, that those are my proudest moments, but I sure am deeply humbled by them, and I think those mm -hmm. two should be one and the same. Hmm. Now, this past fall, you signed on to be the interim women's volleyball coach at Houghton uh, for the season. I'm curious, after being away from coaching for so long, what was that experience like for you? Uh, different and exciting, and. Um... Division three coaches have a lot on their plate. I learned that pretty quick. A um, lot of respect for for the, um, the the many tools and applications that are required, and just the diligence that's required of coaches today. That you know, where communication was just so simple for us um, back then. Um, I loved it. And, and it really, it's so funny because so many people sent me messages saying, oh, by October, you're going to have the itch to get back into coaching and blah, blah, blah. And it, you know, it, for me, um, the volleyball itself, the game itself, that was very little part of why I did it. It was an opportunity to one, give back to my alma mater that has played such a part in my life. My parents met at Houghton. So, um, hmm. I literally, people say this all the time, but I literally wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Houghton. Right. Um, I love that place. I've given years of my life, both as a student and on staff to that place. Uh, they've shaped so much of who I am and I, it's, it's a really special community. And so um, the advantage of what I do is I don't have a particular affiliation to any institution. Like I said, they're all mine, um, but Houghton is a place that, that is, is uniquely special and will always be um, a, a place that I would say yes to, to, to serve in that capacity. I think the opportunity, especially uh, to have been asked to invest in the life of a young lady who was my setter, uh, was a fifth year grad student. And, um, but to, to spend particular time with her kind of mentoring her uh, to prepare her for what hopefully would become her head coaching role was a really unique space that we don't often get opportunities to do. And uh, what, what I thought at the beginning would be hopefully an opportunity for her to be hired maybe next spring. Um, she was hired before Christmas and wow. um, I could cool. not be more excited 
uh, to see Haley Unverdorben as the next head coach and to, to have had a, an opportunity to have a, a, just a hand in that and, uh, and in part of her journey. And uh, that, was, that was absolutely extraordinary. So uh, it was really special. And it was a spectacular autumn in Western New York and living here in Dallas, Texas. Um, the one season I really miss up north is, um, is the autumn. So Yeah. How different is coaching today uh, from what it was 20 years ago? You know, the, the game is much faster, um, but I always felt like as, as a part of, um, I, I feel like there are, there are principles and absolutes. The laws of physics haven't changed. The angles of geometry haven't changed. So from a foundational, <coughs> excuse me, from a foundational perspective, there are, <clears throat> there are basics and, and things in terms of volleyball, the game itself that, that are very different. And, and I've not been disconnected from the game, but to, to literally coach a team and plan the practices day in and day out, that, that there were differences there. But just from a, from a coaching experience in general, I think what our, what our young people go through on a day-to-day basis now, the, the advent and the rise of social media and um, just having so much information and so much input into their lives, not all of it healthy, at such an enormous and fast rate is um, there's advantages to social media, but it puts them in a space that's just really tough sometimes. And there's just so much noise that they've got to weed through. Um, but they're so open um, I think this is a generation that, that my generation often, um, y- you know, we only hear the negative stuff on the news or we hear, you know, snowflakes and all this stuff. This next generation has so much creativity, has so much um, potential and the ability to draw people together in and, and to rally around something in such a huge way. I mean, this team, I watched them, I watched it. They, they made a TikTok video that had like a million and a half views within a couple of days. Wow. You know, I started hearing from people, all friends of mine all over the country were sending me texts like, Hey, we just saw an Instagram uh, clip and you're in the background. Like what's going on? <laughs> and I'm like How, hundreds of thousands of people that they can get information to in such a such a quick time. And so the downside of them being so overstimulated with, with the noise is there's an upside to that, that they have, they have an ability to mobilize people toward action. And I think, um, you know, coaching back then was, there were advantages 20 years ago to so much, maybe, um, you know, just letter writing or email was still a little bit new then, which is weird. Um, But now it's like, you can just mobilize people around an idea. And so if we can direct that and help grow that in a positive direction, um, oh my goodness, this generation has such an opportunity to, to impact in, in ways that 20 years ago would have been unheard of for, for us or to those growing up then. Uh, you mentioned uh, NCCA championships a, a few minutes ago. Uh, you served as chaplain at our women's volleyball championships since 2009. Uh, what do you enjoy most about that role? 
think similar to a, a couple things. I think sim one, similar to what I said about giving back to Houghton uh, and the part that Houghton has played in my life, uh, the NCCAA has been such a rich part of my own, my personal journey. And uh, Dan and Kelly have been longtime friends of mine. Um, I spent a couple years at Indiana Wesleyan as the head coach, and Dan was the the men's soccer coach. And that's when I got to know Dan and Kelly was Dan's office was a couple doors down from mine, uh, hmm. dear friends of many years. Um, and, and people who, you know, we all have those people in life that if they call you say the answer is yes, as long as you're able to, the answer is yes. And I was incredibly honored when Kelly reached out to me and asked me if I would, uh, consider serving in that role. Um, and the, the NCCAA, um, really is instrumental in opening opportunities for me. I never played volleyball before I went to college. I don't know, you know, people know that if they know me, but um, Northeastern Pennsylvania wasn't really a thing in the schools at that time. And so I walked onto the team and, you know, four years later was named an NCCAA Division One All-American. And um, so the NCCAA is quite literally the beginning of the bullet points on a resume that God has used just to open doors. And, and so I'm very, um, I try to stay grateful for that. I am grateful for that. Don't try. There's no try there. I am grateful for that. Um, but, but serving, serving, you know, giving back to the NCCAA in a simple role that, that allows me, um, to, to use the experiences and just download them to next generation, um, to encourage coaches, to encourage fans. I get, it, it's interesting. Um, after all of these tournaments every year, um, at D2 and D1, I often will have a coach come ask me to pray with them over something that they personally are going through. And they just, you, you, when you're coaching, you just can't blab that to everybody, you know? Uh, your team is always coming to you. You're carrying the burdens for your team and you don't always have your go-to in those moments. And so I'm, I, I always appreciate that coaches know they have someone to go to. I often will have a parent come ask me to pray with them or to pray for their family. Um, you know, even at the, at the D2 volleyball tournament this year, a mom came over to me after her team was lost and eliminated uh, after somewhat of an upset, a mom came over to me and and uh, handed me a message and just said, if you think of it, would you reach out to my daughter? And it was just a beautiful note that she gave me with her daughter's email address and, and, and those things. And it, it's like the fact that anybody in all levels of that feel that they, that they have somebody they can go to just for encouragement or, you know, whether it's a devotional for a team or whether it's giving them a high five or walking down the hall with them and, and just reminding them that, um, that they're there for a purpose and they're, that God's going to use that experience. Um, it's, I, I love it. It's, those are two weekends that are high priority to me. Um, I won't schedule something else. I mean, God kind of scheduled a snowstorm in Buffalo when I was flying back from <laughs> Kissimmee this week, this year, that was fun. Um, but I don't schedule, I don't schedule other things, uh, during those two weekends in the fall. And, uh, that's, that's sacred time for me to set aside and give back, uh, to, to the, to those who are currently having the opportunities to experience with the NCCAA, what I had the chance to experience, uh, eons ago. We won't talk about how many years, but it's a lot. <laughs> 
uh, as we start to uh, kind of wrap up this conversation, um, if any of our listeners uh, want to learn more or connect with Ignite International, how can they do that? They can, if they go to igniteinternational.org, www.igniteinternational.org, or if they go to uh, igniteu1, letter U, number one, dot com, they could uh, connect with me through that. They can always get my email address from you guys, but if they would connect through there, they can probably just submit the thing. It all comes to me, and, and I, I see it all anyway, um, and, and be able to you know, decipher how best to serve them or how best to respond to them. Um, as we look ahead, we're looking at workshops, curriculum, coaching retreats, um, just a, a whole bunch of things coming in the next 20 years that, that are in addition to things we've done in the last. And so um, there is some uniqueness to, to the future here that we're excited about. And um, they can jump on our newsletter list. Um, but through either website, they could, they could get to me and, and uh, find more about Ignite International. Uh, they could also connect with us on Facebook on, on either of those. We're working on Instagram, but we, we need the, we need the next gens to help us with that. <laughs> I got one more question for you. Uh, I, I know you are a big time Eagles fan. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I have to ask, uh, how far, uh, do you think they can go this year? Uh, you know what? I'll give the staple answer that I think any of them would answer is the only game we care about is this weekend. Go one for <laughs> go one for one this week. There you go. Uh, difference in the Eagles fan base, which there's a lot of differences in the Eagles fan base. It's a, it's a blue collar base. Um, but the difference in the Eagles fan base is we, we don't take a whole lot for granted here. And uh, there's something really special about this team and the city and love the, love the testimony of Jalen Hurts and uh, the leadership he's brought and um, excited. We'll, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where yeah. it goes, but excited for this past weekend, excited what happened last night too. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a beautiful after hush. Yeah. Uh, down here in Big D, but we'll um, we'll see what happens uh, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. But thank you, Judy, for joining us on King Chasing today. I oh, appreciate what you guys do. Everybody, keep chasing the King. There's nothing in life more valuable than that. And yeah. uh, thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Dan and Kelly, and your entire team for all that you guys do. Um, you guys reach so many people and. And I'm just very honored to play the part that I can to, to assist in that vision. Thanks again to Judy for sharing how she began a lifetime of sports ministry, how she tried to make an impact for Christ as a coach, and the global impact of Ignite International and Ignite U1. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the King Chasing Podcast on whatever app you use to listen. We would also appreciate it if you encouraged others to listen and subscribe. Once again, we're thankful to you for tuning in and supporting us. Join us next time on King Chasing. Take care, everyone.